Hi, everyone. This is Jack, co-host of the Summer Reading Podcast, coming at you live, not live, but not dead either, far in the future, before we even start to tell you that we like to swear. It's an explicit podcast. It's not crazy, uh, but we do say bad words, you know, like fooey, and we call each other cur a lot, like almost nonstop, and uh, what have you. We're good for a good what have you here uh, here and there. So just so you know, if you want to protect your, your delicate paper ears from uh, our, our cutting remarks, um, just be aware of that. So uh, sit back or, I don't know, go for a jog, whatever you do when you listen to podcasts. I'm not your dad. I could be. We don't know. Pretty sure I'm not. Send me a letter. Coming up on the Summer Reading Podcast. Like the whole experience of like waiting for the new baby because you're already occupied with your current baby, you know? Um, so, don't I know it? Yeah, right. <laughs> I got like six little ones. Yeah, they're just all running around. <laughs> yeah, I've got the I I've got like a I've got them knitting shirts. Yeah, you know, I saw them on the street, so <laughs> they're usually pretty occupied. All the all the little mini jacks. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> Jack Junior, Jack Junior two, Jack Junior three. Um, David. So, <laughs> David. <laughs> the summer reading podcast this is the podcast this is the only podcast uh so it must have been very easy to find um where a professor and a librarian read and review all of the books you were assigned to read in english class Mm -hmm. i am your professor my name is jack my pronouns are he him and i'm your librarian my name is marty and my pronouns are she her and today we are uh, going back in time, Doo-doo. physical time, because we've definitely read books older than this. Yes. Um, to read Where the Red Fern Grows by Wilson Rawls. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I kept thinking about was how at the end of the last episode, I didn't even know who wrote this book. <laughs> um <laughs> It was, it, which is something I usually know before we go yeah, into the episode, before yeah. we go into the preceding episode. Right. Um, but you, you came in with the save there and I was like, I, I, I couldn't even fucking tell you. Every now the and then I, I've got these uh, little nuggets, these knowledge nuggets in my brain. Uh, you are a children's librarian I as well. I am, yeah. So that helps. <laughs> <laughs> I have shelved this book a timer seven. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, tell me, have you read this one before? I have. This was actually a legit summer read for me. I was trying to remember what grade it was. I think it was either sixth or seventh. Um, but we had to read this one and the next book that we're discussing. Those were our two required summer reads. Oh, wow. In conjunction. Yeah. Yeah. So rereading them in conjunction was really interesting. They must hate children. Yeah. I mean, Catholic school, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're right. (laughs) 
If you are playing summer reading bingo at home, you can check the box off that says mention to Marty's Catholic school uh, upbringing off right now. Or, you know, take a drink, whatever, whichever way you choose to play that. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, this was a reread for me. Um, but, you know, many, many years had passed. Um, so there was a lot that I didn't remember. There was some that I did. Um and it's it was a different a really different experience reading this as an adult versus when you're you know ten whatever eleven or twelve years old, so um, yeah. Were you excited to revisit it? You know, I was a little mixed. I was kind of I was like I remembered not not loving it when I read it the first time, so I won't say I was excited. I was intrigued to see like if the experience would be different. Um, and of course it was, it always is, but, um, yeah. So how about you? Is this a first read, second read? This is a reread. Okay. Um, in fact, I have a couple visceral, like sense memories related to this book because, uh, I don't think it's often where we encounter a book on this podcast, weirdly, that we both had to read in English class. Yeah. Uh, usually it's either one or the other. Um, but, uh, like, I remember a couple, uh, there are a couple details in this book that just brings me back to the age when I read it. Yeah. Um, the first one is, uh, in an earlier chapter where the grandpa gives Billy Coleman, the main character, the bag of, the quarter worth bag of, of candy of yeah, candy yeah um and i just i all that always stuck with me yeah um and then the other one is the the raccoon trap with the tin can oh um, yes but I, we'll we'll get to that one i yeah. want to talk about that one a little bit later yeah uh, but yeah okay. this this very much was a reread for me mm-hmm. uh but i read it so long ago similarly i could not tell you what grade i had read this for i just 100 percent confident that I read this right. for school. Right. Yeah. This is not... I didn't read a lot when I was younger. Um, and when I did read, these are not, aren't the books that, like, I recall the ones that I went for. Like, I remember Captain yeah. Underpants. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Who does Timeless classic at this point. <laughs> um, uh, among among others. Yeah, so. yeah. Stone like, Fox, which oh, I think we should yeah, read sometime. That would be a good one. Uh, another horribly depressing book that's, with dogs. Um, Gary Paulson, right? Uh, who who knows? I think that's um. right. I think that's right. <laughs> well, I'm gonna look it up now because I gotta make sure my librarian cred is is solid. Um, yeah, that would be a really good one to read. What was the other one I was thinking of? That's another depressing dog book. Um, uh, Sounder. Did you ever read that? No, I'm not even familiar Ooh. with that one. Yeah. Oh, I'm w- so wrong. It's John Reynolds Gardner. It's John Reynolds Gardner. Yeah, dang. Fool, you it's damn fool self. So embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just put on my cone of shame now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's let's talk a little bit about Wilson Rawls. Yeah, I would love to. So we'll talk about him. We'll go into our synopsis after that. But Wilson Rawls. So. Uh, one of my first notes on this guy, I'll tell you how old he is in a second. Uh, one of my first notes on this guy is he's definitely, 
the kind of writer whose work is more famous than he is. Yes. Um, I think uh, people within our age brackets with uh, like an American education Mm -hmm. will be able to pinpoint somewhere, some relation to the title Where the Red Fern Grows. Right. I agree with that. Oh, that's the sad dog book. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I would hesitate to say that people remember Wilson Rawls' his name. It's not like, like, I feel like if you mention a series of unfortunate events, people know Lemmy Snicket. Lemmy Snicket, right, right. Right. Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling. Right. Like, there, there's like one, there's actually one friend that I want to reach out to and see because he grew up in Oklahoma and that's where Wilson Rawls hails from. And I'm like, I wonder if you grew up there, like, was Wilson Rawls like shoved down your throat your entire education? Mm-hmm. Or is it the same thing like, you know, okay, everybody reads Where the Red Fern Grows. Yeah, well, it's like the theory that people don't really teach, and I could be wrong about this, but this is something that uh, professors I know who grew up outside of Massachusetts mm-hmm. say, uh, that Ethan Frome is a book that's taught in Massachusetts. Yeah, exactly. New England. Right, right. Uh, who, who's to say how many people in Montana right. or Arizona or Oregon are re- reading Ethan Frome. Frome. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I got really sad for a second there. Because uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, know. Warden. Ethan Warden's my girl. She's a girl. Um, but who's to say that there's someone in the Ozarks who's like, right. Wilson Rawls is my boy. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so, a possibility. Wilson Rawls. Born 1913, mm-hmm. passed away in 1984. Good long life. Yeah, that's a good stretch. Yeah. It's a good campaign. Uh, mentioned earlier, uh, Raised in the Ozarks, mm-hmm. which is where the book takes place. Yep. Um, and the book was originally published in a serialized form in the Saturday Evening Post. Ooh, I missed that tidbit. Interesting. Uh, and, and it came out in book form in 1961. Right. Uh, which I like, I, I didn't know that originally. I'm just like, it's a book. It comes out as a book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of books don't do it that way. Yeah. Um, or at least a lot of the books we do on this podcast. It's always Um, fascinating to think about that though. Like how, how does that whole process happen? Like, yeah, it's like, I know Charles Dickens, Thomas Hardy. These are writers who's they like came out in chapters. Right. Right. You read that you, or, or. Um, volumes. Mm-hmm. It's like we talked about it with Agnes Gray. Right. Where it, Agnes Gray was published as the third book to Wuthering Heights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like, yeah. It's, like it's even, interesting that they decide this. Like, the commercial reasons that go behind how yeah, the stories come into the world. Even Little Women. I mean, it's like the two sections that are now included when you go pick up a copy of Little Women they were two separate volumes, you know? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's interesting how that history kind of plays out. And now it's it's weird to see that. Like, I remember yeah. in college, there was the free book cart right outside the English department doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that free book cart, I distinctly remember seeing a Stephen King book, part one. Ah. Oh. I think it was, it might, might have been like under the dome. Okay. 
I think part one, and it was just the first half of the story ah, of Under the Dome. That's fascinating. And I was like, that book's too recent for them to do this. Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like I like I read um Samantha Shannon's Priory of the Orange Tree. Okay. That's a fucking big book. Yeah. Um if they were ever to like put a book publish it in three parts or halves. It should be that one. <laughs> I'm like, that's a good contender. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, I'm a sucker for a huge ass book. Yeah. Uh, which where the red fern grows is not. No, it's not. <laughs> Sorry, we keep tangentializing. It, it was, uh, <laughs> as I said, published in 1961, mm-hmm. uh, and Wilson Rawls has another book, less known, but still, the, still quite acclaimed. Acclaimed Summer of the Monkeys. Yep. Which I've never read. I haven't read it either, but I have heard buzz about it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, it's it's like, oh, you like this book? Why not read this book? Yeah. Uh, is that? Um, and I didn't write them down. Instead, I wrote the note, won a shit ton of awards. <laughs> That's Where great. the Red Fern Grows is a, a hugely award-winning book. Yes. Um, I didn't... I, I ran out of space on <clears> the <throat> one page I dedicated to this. I think that's to, fine. Go for it. And, but then the, the last thing I wrote that I was interested in uh, is a statue of the main characters, Billy yeah. Coleman, the boy, um, and the dogs, the Red Bone Hounds, Old Dan and Little Ann. Uh, there's a statue of them together at the public library in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Yeah. And I think I found a picture of the statue and it's quite lovely. Yes. Yeah. Um, Whatever. I'm like, oh, a statue of a fictional thing. That's cool. I know. Yeah, here it is. It just popped up on my phone because I was looking to see um, what awards it had won. And now I'm not finding the list. I had seen it. I had seen it uh, previously, but I'm not seeing it now. Um, yeah, it's it. it's definitely like a... I'm going to go ahead and say it's like an American classic now, you know, like you said, like it's very I would say much, so. it's very much part of the canon. Um, so I think it's it's definitely like a, a, a sense of memory American book. Yes, I would not say it's as famous as like Wizard of Oz as an right. American book. Right. Um, cause it's hard to compete with the Wizard of Oz, but it is, it is up there. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. So, uh, a synopsis of this book. I'm not going to go into super detail cause I don't think it's very important. Plus I think most yeah. people who I assume are listening know this as the sad dog book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but we have our main character, a, a young boy in the American South growing up in the Ozarks named Billy Coleman. Uh, and he wants nothing more than to own hounds. Mm-hmm. He wants hunting hounds. Uh, and he gets them. I don't want to go to, like, in the weeds. He saves his money for three years. and He saves his money for two <laughs> long years selling berries to his grandfather. Oh, my God. It's, like, um, so... Uh, we'll talk. Yeah. He, he gets his dogs... He learns to hunt with his dogs. He grows with his dogs. Uh, there's some drama. Yep. Then there's a championship that he wins. Gets the, the silver cup and the gold cup. Yeah. Amazing. Like, you, you need to know that this kid's a fucking winner. And like $300 or something, which at that time was like. Cash ready. 
I no, I will say it to, even today. You hand me three hundred dollars. I'm shit. That's three hundred. I mean, yeah, but I'm saying like you know, in whatever 1930 or whenever this story is supposed to take place, like damn, yeah. right? That's like twenty grand. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> and then, uh, and then the dogs die. Yeah. Um. Old Dan goes first. Old Dan goes first, and Lil and like can't live without least... him. At least you still have little Anne, they say. And then little Anne's like, what if I also died? Um, and then little Anne also dies. So sad. Uh, so it is, it, it is, it's, it's sad. So let's, um, let's get into this. Okay, let's do it. I, I feel like I have a lot to say. Yeah. What, what are, what are your initial thoughts of where the red fern grows? So my initial thoughts, my take on it is, it's fine. Like, it's not... <laughs> it's, it's, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's not my favorite book. I um, I think for for a kid's book, it's, it's kind of slow. And I say that... It is, it's, it's got more girth, I would say, than the yeah, average kid's book. Yeah, and I say that, like, not... I'm not saying that I I don't like a slow book. Sometimes they really do. Um, But I I think the thing that kills it for me is all the hunting. I'm just like, I really don't give a shit about, like, training your dogs and needing to catch the raccoon so that you can get the hide to have them chase the hide through the woods. Like... You could have said that mm-hmm. in, in a paragraph, and I'd be like, cool, he trained his dogs. But it's like, I feel like it's like, it's not 50 pages, but it might as well be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's That's just... It fucking goes, brutal. It goes on and on, and I'm like, okay. Like, I love the dogs. I love the relationship with the kid. Can we just get back to that? Like, I don't need to know... <laughs> The in and out and details of coon hunting. But maybe that's just me. Like, maybe it's, like, the fact that I'm, like, a white woman living in New England in the 21st century that I don't care. <laughs> How fucking dare you? I don't give a shit about coon hunting. And the whole time, all I'm thinking is, like, raccoons are so cute. Like, how can you, like, hunt them down and then you know club them and skin them like oh my god like it's so i have i have a couple things to say about that can i I build off of this please do okay um the first thing i have to say is according to my clock we're 24 minutes in and it feels like the whole review is um i don't give a shit (laughs) no that is not the whole review um I don't give a shit about the hunting. <laughs> but okay. So one of the thing one mm. of the thoughts I I I did have while I was reading this is mm. this is actually a horrifying book through the raccoon's perspective. Yes. <laughs> um, it really is. Cuz it's like the raccoons are either wily assholes yeah. or not present. Like yeah. they're and um, I'm like, no, rac- raccoons. I I feel like we've had a raccoon resurgence mm. since the book was written. Or maybe it is like a Massachusetts thing because I, yeah, I, I don't know. I want to specify that we are, uh, <laughs> we, we are perpetual Massachusetts residents, True. and that does that does affect our perspective on most of the books yeah. we read. Um, and also, I'm like, okay, and I I don't know anything about like like there's a whole thing about like well, coon skins are worth more money than the cougar skins, and I'm like, I don't like okay, cool, <laughs> like I don't care. 
it's just yeah. <laughs> Yeah, get doused in blood. <laughs> I, you could. This was a book that was written before the blood dousing. It was yes. Like fur controversies. Yeah. Um. So, so um, I uh, pretty much agree. <laughs> um. So here, so something that I think really affects my perspective on this is the book. I think starts really strong. Yeah. Because it feels very much like the book's set up like it's gonna follow Billy working to get his dogs. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so probably like fifty pages, sixty pages into the book when he actually does get the dogs. It's a great payoff. It's part pa- of yeah, part yeah. of me is like <laughs> we we could actually roll credits now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, the story. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, but he, they, like, Rawls does set it up to say he wants the dogs for hunting. So he gets yeah. the dogs and then he they become hunting. Yeah. So structurally, I'm not going to fault the book. No. Um, even though, like, the ins and outs of hunting don't interest me. Yeah. And the American South outside of American Gothic tends to not interest me. <laughs> Um, at least through white perspectives, which is going to yeah. sound pretentious, I think, to most people listening to this podcast. Um, but I said it, and it's out there. <laughs> um, don't at me. <laughs> um, uh, with that, which is a big thing. And so, one of the things I want to talk about is one of the very, very specific details of raccoon hunting mm-hmm. that that uh, I mentioned a bit earlier. Yeah, the trap. Um, with the the trap. Yeah. So. From a very young age, one of the things I remembered from reading as a kid was the description of the raccoon trap where the grandpa is telling young Billy Coleman uh, that you put some food for the raccoon in a can mm-hmm. and you nail nails. Yeah. F- great fucking description. <laughs> you nail nails at <laughs> At an angle, angles yeah. Into it, yeah. So the raccoon can reach into it with an open hand, but with a closed fist, there's not enough space for it to pull the food out. Right. And I so think you, it was you, actually it's something in a in a ball of tin, right? So, something something along those lines. Yeah. Um. But for my whole fucking life, that is what I think about when I eat Pringles. That's amazing. <laughs> I like. <laughs> I've never had a can of Pringles where after the first half of Pringles, oh, I don't God. feel like a raccoon in a trap oh, trying to wow. get the, the remainder of the chips out. That's fantastic. So the where the red fern grows <laughs> has been prevalent on my mind at. Every time you eat Pringles. On the level of Pringles. Wow. I don't even have to be eating Pringles. I'll be in like a CVS. Yeah. And you'll buy the like chips. see the Pringle. And I'll be like, oh, you know, dogs die. Oh my God. That's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> oh, wow. I think of Pringle, or I see Pringles and I think of the duck. Remember the duck bill that they would make in the commercial? Yes. Yeah, that's what I think <laughs> Yes, of. I do. <laughs> So for you, it's raccoons. <laughs> for me, it's ducks. Do you know they they minimalized the Pringles logo? 
What? You know, like the dude who's on the like the yeah, oval face motherfucker mustache. with the mustache. Yeah. yeah, they like they like simplified him further. What? Like they they made they like shaved his head. What? They they dyed his mustache black. Oh. Um. And like and like that. That's like that's it. I'm like they shaved they shaved my boy. <laughs> They held down the Pringles dude and they shaved him. Oh, it's terrible. I, I, the poor fucker. I know. He had, he has one, one look. He, he had his signature look and now it's, it's been stripped from him. If Monopoly put out Monopoly, but they didn't give, um, oh the dude, my like, god, like a, a top hat and a monocle, yeah, that would be horrendous. <laughs> this, no one would buy it. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I hope you guys are listening. Who is it? Parker? I can't even remember who makes Monopoly. I cannot tell you. Um, anyway. P- Parker. Parker. Like a friend of yours? <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> I wish I was friends with Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> um, I would only want to be friends with Spider-Man if I knew he was Spider-Man. Otherwise, well, yeah. I feel like it's a it's a huge letdown yeah. being friends with with <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, yeah. So it, that's so funny. The Pringles thing. That's amazing. Um, but yeah. So not interested. Not really interested in hunting. Right. As a rule. Yeah. Same. Um, I'm I'm a big fan. Big fan. Of um, things that are alive, for the most part, staying alive. Yeah, I mean, and I say that as somebody who, like, eats meat. But yeah, oh, I eat the shit out of meat. But I also don't feel the need <laughs> to go d- out disgusting and, like... Disgusting image. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Jack, what are you drinking? I had to ask. I am drinking bourbon, but oh, it is not nice. my it is not my first glass. It's not your and it's not a sad bourbon because you're with a friend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have had sad bourbons in the in recent history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so okay. The other thing I wanted to talk about in Redfern is that I love. I actually love the whole saving up to lead up to getting the dogs and then one of the scenes that i love is when he goes into town and he like walks i don't even know what 15 miles barefoot in into Kentucky? town yeah and he um he gets there and everybody is like an asshole to him and he's just like oh i don't like all these people like mm-hmm. give me my woods you know and like um, and there's that moment where he's outside the school and he's seeing all the kids play on the slide and he's like, oh, that looks like so much fun. And he wants to go join them. And then they're, they're jerks to him. And I'm just like, oh, it's like, so it's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like really relatable because, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, you're allowed to. I know, but then I... I am gonna sneeze. But then I... I never do this, guys. 
I said it out loud and I think chase the sneeze away. It's a, it it sounded counterproductive to actually sneezing. <laughs> anyway, pick up where I left off. I'm just new dead. Take a moment. Okay. So Okay. So I think that that plays into one of oh. my core thoughts about where the red fern grows. Uh-huh. Um, which is obviously it's a book, so there's conflict in it. <laughs> And for people who are just reading books for the first time, um, that's a that's a sort of essential element generally. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, there's conflict in it, right? Um, and we get that with uh, things like wanting dogs but not being able to afford dogs, which I think is my favorite part of the book. Um, and it's also the only the beginning. Um, but you also get it with things like the the Pritchard boys, oh, which we'll talk about God. in in a hot second. Um, and we get it in these moments where he he wants to be accepted, or he's in town, he's in an unfamiliar environment, and he gets um, rejected. Rejected. Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't think of a good good enough word. Um, and he gets rejected immediately. Yeah, the population there. Yeah, except um, for the marshal. He's like, and the train station guy, the mm-hmm. station master. They're like the only ones who are nice to him. Yeah, and so <clears throat> I take that into account with things like how he has a very supportive family. Yeah, as well his grandfather, um, huge character, very important, very helpful. His parents are concerned for him, um, but they're never like. You can't do that. It's right. we don't have the means to accomplish that right now. Right. Um, which brings me to like one of my main points about where the red fern grows is recognizing that Billy Coleman has troubles. Mm-hmm. This is a book about a kid who consistently wins. Yeah. Th- like this is not a book about a kid who works really hard right. and then it works out, but not completely. Right. Uh, this is not a book about a kid who never accomplishes what he wants. This is a book about a kid who sets out to do absolutely everything he wants to do and achieves it. Yeah. Um, which, in part, I feel like denigrates the experience. Um, and I also feel like that's what makes it an incredibly American book. I was going to say there's also there there are so many tones or not even tones it's like it's blatant like like even when he saves all the money it's a very like pull yourself up by your bootstraps kid kind of yeah. thing and um and like the I don't know the the there's a lot of masculinity Okay um, can I I yeah. have immediate things to build off of. Oh, that. yeah, please. So, um, I I can't fucking stand yeah. the masculinity in this yeah, book. Yeah, it's insane. Um, so part of, part of my reasoning of this is a book where the main character wins consistently. Mm. Not saying he doesn't have troubles, right. but he does win. Right. Um, the book starts in a flash forward. The first chapter takes place many years after the events of the book mm-hmm. happen. Um, and multiple times in that chapter, you have an, a grown Billy Coleman referencing his own manhood. Yeah. And what it takes to be a man. Yeah. So 
I, I believe that Where the Red Fern Grows, fundamentally, is a book where a lot of men writing curriculum see this as a good story about growing up. Right. Uh, where it, in many ways, I feel like it's more likely that we can argue this is a book about a boy becoming a man. Yeah, yeah. Rather than a universal experience of growing up. Right, right. Uh, because we have so many references to masculinity and manhood. And you have so many examples throughout the book of Billy Coleman, a young kid, delineating what a man can do and what a woman can do. Yep. And um, and yeah. so um, one thing that drove me crazy, and maybe it's just because I'm pregnant right now, but the moment when he realizes that his mother is pregnant and he hasn't noticed. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. This is your mother. You live with her. She cares for you. And you're 14 years old. You know the birds and the bees. You have little sisters. You've seen this before. How are you just not? It, it's like this complete like. I don't want to say that he's like intentionally brushing her off. He's just not seeing her. And like, I don't know why it just, it really fucked me up to read that this time. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, kid. What? Like you didn't notice that your mom was pregnant. Like, and, and he's like, Oh, and then I noticed like her belly swelling and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, like what? I don't know. It's just, and, and the way that it was, thrown in there was like oh pa didn't want to leave because ma's in her condition and i'm just like ugh, you know it just her, her condition her condition yeah I mean, she's embezzling funds from the town <laughs> she can't leave it's gonna look suspicious oh my god i don't know so yeah like i said it might be that i'm pregnant right now but like that moment really stood no. out to me reading it now whereas it is like it, it, I think it's messed up for a number of reasons. And I think one of them is the book's written in such a way to get you to empathize and understand the motivations of the main family. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, Billy Coleman, I think, fundamentally is written as this is a good kid. Yes. This yeah. is a kid who understands that if you want something, you have to work hard mm -hmm. for it. Um. And that's sort of what is uh, fronted, for, front loaded. There's a word I'm looking for. Yeah, brought fr forward. Yeah, yeah. That I I could. That's that's gonna keep me up. <laughs> Fuck. Um. So when he does something that's questionable, yeah, it it's sidelined. Yeah. Because fundamentally, this is a good kid. You're rooting for this kid. Right, right. So when he, he, he does something like pay no heed to his mother. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, he, well, he was just too into hunting. It's understandable. Like, Yeah, or you're like waiting for the mom to apologize Yeah. to yeah. the kid. Yeah, um, right. For, for something like that. And so, and so like that, <clears throat> that throws me off. And then something else that threw me off was this book – did come out in 1961 mm -hmm. of, in, as one cohesive thing. One volume. Um, 
But they're still too casual, I would say, about references to child abuse. Yeah. Um, like, definitely, there's this moment where this sort of worried mom who's sort of... Uh, and these worried parents who are sort of getting over a stressful situation mm-hmm. a little too fast and loose are talking about like oh well i should whip you silly um yeah yeah and i can't uh i don't think it's fair and i i, I think first and foremost a lot of people are going to come out and say like oh well it's a product of its time and i'm like yeah i know it's a product of its time but i live in this one right right um and this was a book that i was learning when i was a kid yeah um and i i i was a kid recently you know comparatively yeah Yeah. um and like the idea of no one's really talking about or i have not seen uh much discourse about like where the red fern grows banned book reasons yeah nope nope which is the book we'll be reading next week you you google that book yeah and it says banned yeah i'm like oh what yeah uh and so i think this is a book similarly to uh what i had to say about twilight is where the red fern grows does not challenge the state of things Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It's a book that presents "quote unquote" universal truths about growing up, right? Which isn't true. Yeah, it's um, yeah, and and piggybacking on the the book banning conversation because I can never just like not dive into that. Um, this is a really fucking violent book, like really violent, really graphic. Yes. There are children who are killed in this book yeah and like in like we talk about that yeah like the pritchard boys the whole Mm. thing i do remember when i was rereading this how horrified i was as a child at that image of him falling on the axe and that whole situation oh my god is incredibly distressing it really is um and like going through it being like, okay, these are bigger boys who are taking full advantage yeah. of this young, this younger kid, uh, fully willing to rob this kid, yeah, fully willing to kill this kid's dogs. It's insane. Um, to the point of, and I actually think that this is something insidious on the the book's part, on Rawls's part, mm-hmm. um, where in my reading of that scene, the moment where, uh. What, Ruben? Is it Ruben? I think it's Pritchard? Ruben. I can't remember which one Ruben it is. Ruben or Rainey. Yeah. Uh, I'll say it's Ruben, and if I'm wrong, you can, you know, harass me in public. Yeah. Um, about it. His, he's going to take an axe, and he's going to kill the kid's dogs. Um, About it, and the book is about the dogs. Yeah. It's about the kid's relationship to the dogs. It's our job as readers to care about the dogs as well, because that's the book. Yep. Um... To the point where when the Pritchard boy falls on the axe head, there's a moment of relief. I know. It's so fucked up. It's it's incredibly fucked up. Yeah. Like, this problem took care of itself immediately and at the cost of a child's life. Um, and the idea that that's 
and they don't like really play into that over the course of the book where like the the dad i believe so i was like yeah i talked to the pritchard father and right i said i was i felt sorry for him yeah um and i'm like yeah i feel fucking sorry for him too yeah it's, this is a kid's book where a kid dies yeah um and it's a solution it, it's not anything more than that because after that we don't hear about the pritchards anymore i know yeah yeah it's this one isolated incident and it's and it's also like the the first introduction you get to the Pritchards is, you know, him, ta- uh, Billy talking about like, oh, these kids are no good. But my mom says I have to be nice to them because their parents abuse them, basically, is what he says. And it's again, it's like this whole this is just like glossed over. It's like it it moves the story along. But. Yeah, but it's an actual problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is like actually the, these poor kids. Yeah, you know. And if my kids, <clears throat> if Jack Junior, Jack Junior two, Jack Junior three, and David, and David, were <laughs> were being picked on by kids who were also being traumatized. Yeah, I'd be one. I'd be worried about the traumatized kid, but I would not want my kids to be spending time with kids who made them feel bad just because I think that they're better and more morally righteous right right uh than that i'd be like oh well avoid them yeah yeah um or i'd say there's four of you can you take can you take them (laughs) take them um you were correct it was ruben who who fell on the axe called it called it nailed it um and also like the fact that like his grandpa like eggs him on into the like go hunting with these guys who are no good. Yeah, that's the one time I'm like, this grandpa can go fuck himself. I know because the rest of the time, be like, okay, like grandpa's really sweet. Like he's giving him the bag of candy. He's like, he's supportive. Supportive. He's like, yeah, I'll 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 write kennels for you. Yeah, I'll write the kennels for you. Yeah, but like, yeah, I don't know. There's there. Yeah, and and again, it feels. It feels like this toxic masculinity, like, like, yeah, go prove yourself, go prove that your dogs are the Mm -hmm. best, you know, and like not not for one second giving pause to think about what does it mean to Mm -hmm. send my grandson out with these two boys that are known to be violent, (laughs) You know, <laughs> like in the middle of the night, they're going to go to yes. the cocoon together. I agree. Right? I also think like, it, it really plays into these American narratives yeah. of individualism and exceptionalism. Yeah. Where if you are yourself mm-hmm. and you work hard, it's a fact that you're going to be fucking amazing. Right. Um. Who cares who dies? Yeah. Your dogs lived, and that's what your, matters. Your dogs lived long enough for you to become famous. Yeah. Um. So who's who's this? You know, who's the real winner here? Yeah. Yeah. Me, your right. grandpa. Right, grandpa. <laughs> I did it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's weird because there there are moments where I do really feel for for I almost said Willie for Billy. Um. Let's let's not read too much into that. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> um, because you know he is he he is this scrappy kid. He loves his dogs. There's a lot of um, there is good. There are good qualities in him, but there's just too much hammered home of like what you said that um, the American exceptionalism and the the masculinity and. Um, 
you know, maybe there are eight year old boys who love this book, but like it, it's just not my cup of tea. Like, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. How uh, fucking rude. I know, right? <laughs> um, all right. I'm going through the last of my notes here. Uh, and I think we covered everything I had to yeah. talk about. Um, oh, okay. Actually, I think there's one more thing. The death of the dogs. Yeah. So... The dogs die at the end of the book. We mentioned that already. Yeah. It's not a surprise to this episode. Old Dan um, has a pretty, pretty bad end, too. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot. Reading it as a kid, I remember that being a much more protracted uh, experience. Mm. Where I felt like there was at least a few chapters in which the dog's health was uh declining yeah yeah um and when i was reading this i'm like it's actually just a couple pages yeah it's real fast and i like i i think it might have been because i knew what to expect going into this book yeah or maybe it's because i just was not really on board for a lot of this book yeah that i was like that was quick yeah now it could either be that i'm like okay it's weird that you spend like as much or more time about the art of raccoon hunting oh my god on the death of these major characters of these two dogs yeah um or we could look at it as a mercy that Mm -hmm. he's not drawing out the the death of these dogs which equally could be extremely upsetting to a lot of people yeah um, there's a whole website called Does the Dog Die? Yep. Because, like, many people can't deal with the death of a dog. Yeah. Even less troubling than the death of a person. Right, right. We don't end the book when the Pritchard boy dies. We end the book when the dogs die. <laughs> yep. And the magical um, fern appears. And the magical fern appears. Yeah, the red fern. We didn't even talk about the red fern. Um, it's fun. I have nothing to say about the red fern. <laughs> I mean, the red fern again is very tacked on. It's like I, I think no, the title, yeah, like at, is a good title. At no point is there talk of a red fern until he goes to the grave and there it is, and then it's like, yeah. oh, and this is that legend of the red fern that my mother told me, and it's like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> how fucking cool would that to have heard of that already, right? <laughs> Right? Yeah. But then you would have to, like, actually have him have a relationship with his mother, and that's just not masculine enough, Jack, so. Oh, no. Well, she's pregnant, so she's already doing her job as a woman. Exactly. <laughs> and, and she's also his primary educator. Yeah. And, that and there's also is nothing like, about that. Totally glossed over. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. There's... There's not enough women in this book. That's what I think. No, I actually think there's plenty of women in this book, but no one cares about them. They're silent. They're silent background characters. Yeah. Oh, I want to amend that. Every book could use more women. Food. Um, <laughs> but there are many women in this book. Yeah, yeah. That we could spend, that it's built in. We could just spend more time with them. Yep, but nah. Why, why do uh, that when you could spend time with all of the hunters at the three-day hunting shindig why do that when you can watch a child fall on the head of an axe oh jesus yeah Uh, i will say um talking about the dog's death there was a a similar thing in not my family my husband's family um 
the two two dogs that grew up together and um very beloved dogs um the girl dog was my husband's favorite and she died and then i want to say within like a week the the boy dog died too and i was like oh my god like it like to have that experience like in real life and then like read it in this book i was like oh god that like hits it hits different (laughs) now you know yeah. So did he write his college essay about that? Uh, no, he didn't. It because it right, happened yeah. way after college. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, yeah, very sad. Haley and Smudge, R.I.P. Spudge. Smudge, like a smudge, smudge, smudge of ch- you know charcoal or chalk or whatever. Smudge. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you like rabbits? Yes. Rabbits. I hate rabbits. If there's anything I hate more than a rabbit, it's two rabbits. Actually, explaining what a smudge is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they should be raccoons for this one. (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's go into raccoons. Oh, God. All right. Hello, and welcome to Raccoons Today. Uh, this is the segment at the end of the podcast where Marty and I rate the book we read on a scale of none to five raccoons. Um, <laughs> we're allowed to use decimals. Just don't think what it means to be graded on a half raccoon. No, don't. Um, so, Marty, what are you going to give uh, Where the Red Fern Grows? So, I'm giving Where the Red Fern Grows two and a half. Wow. Okay. Because... As I said, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I read it again. <laughs> and I I kind of feel the same that I did as a kid where I was like, it's not the worst book I've read. I don't feel the need to revisit it like with fun I, with fondness, you know. Um, I imagine reading this book as a young girl is yeah. much different than reading this as a young boy. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. It, it's it, This is a book where if you're a young boy, you can grow up to do anything. And if you're a young girl, one day you'll be pregnant and no one right. will care. Right, exactly. And no one will even notice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so it's, um, I mean, it is a classic. I have no idea if, I, actually, I do have an idea. I think it's still on the reading list Um at at some public schools, um, which I'm like, okay, I guess this book is just kind of staying with us forever. Um, <laughs> it's not my favorite. It's, I it's not. There's better books out there about dogs and the relationship with dogs. Go read uh, Because of Winn-Dixie. That one's beautiful. Um, we should do that here. I love that book. Yeah, um, I have that book. Nice. Okay. Yeah, we should talk about that one. Um but yeah, not my favorite. So uh, two and a half raccoons. That's what it's getting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll give it three. Okay. All right. I actually, y- you convinced me. I was gonna give it higher. Um, but uh, I I agree. <laughs> I I think I I honestly think <laughs> that as we talked more, I got I my rating slipped. <laughs> yeah, more and more. Yeah. Yeah. This is a book that um. Out of all of the books, I think I'd prefer 
my kids reading something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think structurally it's fine, but I think I have different politics and beliefs yeah. and um, representations of gender uh, that yeah. I would like to expose to my children than this book in particular. Yeah. We also have a red bone hound in the family. Aww. Um, and the there's a dog on the cover of uh, the copy I got from the library that looks just like her. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm just reading this being like, my brother-in-law would never be able to read this book. Yeah. He'd be too sad yeah. at the end yeah. with his... With his <laughs> his his Aww. hound at the end yeah um doing that but um yeah i think while i was reading it i'm like it's fine but yeah. now that i'm talking about it i'm like actually would i seek this out for fun in the future no no nah. nah. i think i'd watch the movie yeah no i don't i don't need to see that <laughs> it's there because uh, also again i gotta stress this is a kid who wins yeah the dogs die at the end but they win Right. They they right. they live the lives of champions. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's sad when your dog dies, but this is a book. Right. Right. Yeah. Like be be sad and feel your feelings, but <clears throat> like this the the book's messages go deeper than the death of the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And the messages that it gives underneath the that um morbidity, I would say does not save it. Yeah. And I, because we were talking about the Americanism of this book, I just wanted to hearken back to the um, third sentence, third sentence in the very first chapter, um, which is, quote, it was one of those days when a man feels good, feels like speaking to his neighbor, is glad to live in a country like ours and mm-hmm. proud of his government. Yeah, I like I. I, was, I don't think I cringe oh, faster. Oh God, you know it's just like I don't know. I, yeah, that right there, I was like, oh right, okay, oh. okay, that's what this book is. Which this is a writer of a particular demographic. Yes, of a particular bent, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And yeah, it is it is kind of nuts that like with all the violence in this book, there's not been a book ban um, or challenge, you know. Um, it says something about our, you know, our values, I guess. If the main character was a girl, ah, I think this book would have been banned. Oh, yeah. That is such a good point. Yeah, um, yeah. But because the main character is a boy... I actually think that this is something that people would fight to, to keep, keep it in, on the shelves. Yeah. On the shelves. With not that effort. I am ever in favor of book banning. I'm just going to go ahead and say Yeah, that. I'm not in favor of book banning. Yeah. I'm in favor of critically interrogating why certain g- books get banned. Right, right. Um, yeah. Okay, so three three raccoons for you, huh? I'll give it three. All right. Give it three raccoons. All right, I like it. All right. Any final thoughts? I don't think so. Me either. I feel like it's done. I don't think we're ever going to come back to this one. No, and I think that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we gave we gave Rawls his due, and you yeah. Know. S- sorry for for huge 
where the red fern grows fans um yeah. out there ferners i think they're ferners. called um <laughs> <I> fernies <laughs> oh god <laughs> um, out at your Fernie conventions. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, thank you for listening. <laughs> this has been the Summer Reading Podcast, uh, the podcast where a professor and a librarian read and review all the books you are assigned to read in English class. Uh, our music was done by Nathan Morrissey. He's a good lad. You can find him on Instagram at nathan.morrissey77. Our editor is my brilliant, amazing, brilliant, beautiful, wonderful, brilliant mother, Rosa Maria. You can find her on Instagram and on Etsy at Crochetwell, all one word. I have a lot of my students who are finding her because we plug her Instagram. Oh, I love every that. Every time. Yay. So I want to throw in that you can find me on Instagram as well. Oh, right. <laughs> Jack from TV, all one word. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can find Marty on on Instagram, too, um, somewhere. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Marty underscore the K or Thek, whichever way you want to read it. (laughs) Um, uh, Marty, would you tell us our email address? I sure would. Um, It is summerreadingpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or book recommendations that you'd like us to cover on the show that we haven't already. Um, And be nice to us. Yeah, please be nice. We like nice. (laughs) (laughs) Won't you please join us next week where we talk about... Do you want to announce it? I do! Bridge to Terabithia by Catherine Patterson. Uh, We will see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.